Hey there, neighbor. Welcome to Good Life News, a weekly podcast where we talk about ideas, living the abundant Christian life, and God's wonderful, wonderful love. I'm your host, Pastor Lauren Fenton, an old farm kid, Bible student, preacher of grace, husband of one, father of two, papa for five, and really just another pilgrim headed for home. I'm so glad you've clicked in to join me on this journey today. Let's walk together for a few minutes and see what we can discover on the way to the kingdom. Are you ready? Ready? Let's go! Greetings once again, friends. This is episode 7 of the podcast. The title of this week's episode is The Lord's Prayer, Part 1. This is the first of a two-part series focusing on the meaning of several key expressions in the prayer that Jesus taught to his disciples. First, a word about the series. You may have noticed the subtitle on the masthead of Good Life News blog, which reads, Exploring a Potpourri of Biblical Ideas and Godly Living, end quote. There's a parallel line on the podcast homepage that says, quote, a weekly podcast of biblical themes and abundant Christian living, end quote. In one of Jesus' parables in which he identifies himself as the good shepherd, he says, I have come that they, that is his sheep, his followers, I am come that they may have life and that they might have it more abundantly, John 10.10, and I'm reading that from the New King James Version. There are very few truly vital components to abundant Christian living. But one of these indispensables is daily connecting with God in prayer. A well-known Christian author, writing back in the 19th century, expressed it this way, Why should the sons and daughters of God be reluctant to pray? when prayer is the key in the hand of faith to unlock heaven's storehouse, where are treasured the boundless resources of omnipotence, end quote. This is from a little book called Steps to Christ, pages 94 and 95, written by Ellen G. White. Now think about that phrase, to unlock heaven's storehouse. What an awesome concept is that. It inspires me to believe we could do well to spend some time studying the model prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. So, this week and next week, I'll be sharing several significant highlights which have blessed my own prayer experience, and I trust these thoughts may also be an encouragement to you. With that, let's get into the study, and I want to preface what follows here now with an introduction to this specific episode, not just the series, but the episode itself. In Luke's Gospel, the story is introduced this way, quoting here from Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Now it came to pass, as Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples, end quote. In Matthew's account of Jesus' life and teachings, the model prayer Jesus shared with the people that day is included in a longer passage found within the Sermon on the Mount, where he also gave some other rich instructions about prayer practices and attitudes, and you can read those in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. 
Our study for these two weeks will be on Matthew 6, verses 9 to 13, and because of the rich traditions and poetic power of these verses in the King James Version, I will be using that version. Here are those familiar words. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. So let's take a closer look at a few of those significant phrases. We begin with, Our Father. The Greek expression translated here is pater hemon. Literally, it means father of us all. It's notable that before Jesus told them what the content of their prayers should include, he first directed their focus to the heavenly father to whom they should direct their prayers. The father is the source of all being, Father God, and he is the fountain of all existence. He is El Shaddai, the Hebrew term meaning the one from whom comes every good and perfect gift. He is never weary of pouring forth his mercies on his people, and he is more ready to give than they are ready to receive. This is all included in the understanding of that term, El Shaddai, the name for God. In the New Testament, the Apostle James, a half-brother of Jesus, writes this, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning, James 1.17. And here's what Dr. Luke recorded from Jesus himself. Quoting him, he says, If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? These are the words of Jesus. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus concluded his teaching about prayer and trust with these words. Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we wear? Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Matthew six thirty one to 33 So in Jesus' teaching, we can understand that when we pray, our prayers are to be directed to God the Father in heaven. Directly related to Jesus' injunction that our first spiritual pursuit should be focused on the kingdom of God and his righteousness is this expression of respect for the Father God. Hallowed be thy name. To hallow something is to regard it as holy or sacred. The name of God is holy and should be spoken or used only in reverence and respect. When I was young... The casual or non-spiritual use of God's name was considered out of bounds for general or just common conversation. I can't confess that I always stayed in bounds on that expression, that that regard. 
I often am guilty of using God's name in vain. And things we hear today, however, such as OMG, which is verbal shorthand for, oh my God, or for God's sake, probably are not usually said with a sense of God's holiness. Now, I want to be clear. I count myself as no one's moral judge. Every person's words and actions are judged only by the one who can look into the heart and mind of every person and know the spirit behind them. However, as a minister of God's grace, it is important for me to bring things like this to your attention. I would only encourage you to think carefully and prayerfully about your own daily conversations and conduct and the way you use your language. Does it honor God? Does it hallow God's name and rightly represent him? And as I constantly say, the choice is yours. As for me, I can honestly tell you that when I invited the Lord into my heart for the first time at age 16, he began the process of cleaning up my language, and for that I am truly grateful. And I can in all honesty say, I want nothing more than for my life and influence to only count for his kingdom. I pray every day that that will be the case. Here are a few truths about God the Father. First, God loves you. He loves you personally, individually. He knows you by name. Secondly, in Christ, the Father forgives all your sins and declares you innocent. Third, the Father adopts you into his family and gives you his name if you are willing. And number four, the Father invites you today. Come on home. So now let's turn our thoughts to that next phrase in Jesus' model prayer that says, Thy kingdom come. To understand what Jesus was talking about here in this instruction, we need to notice something else he said about the kingdom. This is recorded in Luke chapter 17, verse 21, and I'm reading from the New International Version. Here it is. It says, quote, Once, having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, Here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. End quote. Now, it's true, the Bible is very clear, Jesus' eternal kingdom, the kingdom of glory, and you can read about that in Daniel 2.44, will be established here on earth only after his second coming when he returns as King of kings and Lord of lords. However, the scripture is also very clear that in point of fact, his true kingdom, the kingdom of the heart, the kingdom of grace, begins in the here and now. His kingdom, however, is not the same as the earthly, current kingdoms that we see. He told Pilate, for instance, quoting what Jesus is recorded to have said in that conversation with Pilate in the judgment hall, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight. But now my kingdom is from another place. John 18.36 So what we're seeing here is that Jesus' kingdom, the kingdom of God, 
is of an entirely different nature from the political kingdoms and nations that we're all familiar with. Jesus' kingdom, the one that begins for us now in this life and continues into our eternal experience in the earth made new, is not a kingdom established and defended by force of arms, but instead is a kingdom of agape love, grace, forgiveness, and joy. And Jesus very pointedly instructs his disciples and we who are also his disciples today to pray for that kingdom of love and grace to begin even now, before his return in the clouds of heaven. As we hear and respond to his invitation to follow him as our Lord, that is, King, we are to become ambassadors for his kingdom to all who have not yet heard the good news of the Father's love, which is the gospel. We, in fact, do have a role to play in God's answer to the prayer, Thy kingdom come. John the Revelator declares, Jesus has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Revelation chapter 1 verse 6. And Peter writes, You are a chosen generation. He writes this to the church at large, to us, in fact, in our day and age as well. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 1 Peter 2.9 We're going to go on now to the last phrase that we're going to be looking at today. Thy will be done. But let's do a quick review of the ground we've covered here so far. First, God in heaven, God the Father, resides in a place called heaven. He's the source of our being, the fountain of our existence. His name is to be reverenced and held in awe and must never be spoken in vain. God loves you and has already forgiven you of all your sins. And he invites you to put your complete trust in him today and in his promise. The kingdom of glory will come when Jesus comes again, but the kingdom of grace has already begun. And yet, we cannot enter the kingdom of glory unless we first live in the here and now, the kingdom of grace. That is, by extending grace to others as we ourselves have received grace from God. So now, let's look at that last phrase for our study today, Thy will be done. How do we know God's will? There are several ways we see as examples, both from Scripture and from personal experiences. The most basic way to discover God's will, however, is simply to read the Bible. Sometimes people might believe that what they feel or a dream they had or impressions that they receive are valid ways to determine God's will for their lives. Now, that might be true, might be valid in some cases, but there is one standard by which all of them must be measured. And that is simply, do they conform to the written word of God, the Bible? The only way to know the answer to that question is to read and study the Bible for yourself. This is where learning to use study tools like the Bible dictionaries or commentaries and multiple translations becomes valuable. 
These tools will not tell you what to believe, but they will aid in providing legitimate insight into the background languages and expressions that the Bible writers used. However, I need to also observe that it's not just enough to know what the Bible says, or even to believe what it says. As an old saying goes, attitude is everything. In the Old Testament, King David wrote, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. Psalm 40, verse 8. God's law is a transcript of his will. The law is not to be kept as a legalistic requirement, but instead as the joyful expression of a heart renewed by his grace. God himself told the prophet Jeremiah, This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people, Jeremiah 31, 33. And the Apostle Paul in the New Testament explains how this works. It's just the same in the New Testament as it was in the Old Testament. Paul writes, It is God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Philippians 2.13 To pray, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, is to ask God to take over your life and live his will both in and through you. So then... Let's conclude today's study with this simple thought. May it be our sincere goal to live as we pray and to pray as we live. So I want to thank you so much for listening today. I pray you've been blessed. Next week's episode will be part two of the Lord's Prayer. and We'll be looking at four remaining thoughts included in Jesus' model prayer. And those are deliver us from evil, forgiveness, our daily bread, and finally the kingdom and the power and the glory. I hope you can join me for that. God bless. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. So we've come to the end of this episode of the Good Life News Podcast. If you would like to comment or join a conversation about today's content, please visit our website at www.goodlifenews.life. I'd love to hear your thoughts and observations. On the website's blog page, you can also find a complete transcript of the most recent episode, which will always be posted at the top of the page. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. If you'd like to help out in this ministry, it's incredibly helpful if you'd leave a nice rating or review on your platform of choice. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in again next week as we continue our journey exploring more about God's love, His amazing grace, and the incredible good news of the everlasting gospel. Until then, walk in peace, live in hope, and hold your treasures with open hands.